you are now entering the Nightmare Realm. So, you've returned. Good, I'm glad to have you back in the realm. It was easier getting here the second time, wasn't it? Or perhaps this is your first time. Time is relative, as Doctor would say, but... You found the library. I do hope it wasn't too hard. There are many doors here, so you can get lost easily. But do come in. You'll find the furniture here is more comfortable and accommodating, as well as stable, than things were outside. They do not shift as much in here. The library is closer to reality, you see. So it is better anchored since it is filled with books from all over. Both time and genre. And yes, the people you see around us are characters from said books. Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn are visiting and Sherlock is always here. The others are from my writings. They reside here most of the time. Unless I happen to open up the Imagination Lab and start cooking up something new, then they all show up and help out, so to speak. But I digress. On to why I wished you to visit me in here. It would seem that mental health is getting some light shined on it. Time Magazine has published a full issue on the subject. I've been reading it over since finding it, and well, let's see if you agree with my assessment of this issue. No doubt they aim to help, but they missed the mark on some things. For one, they never cited but at least one source that I can find who had a mental illness. All the rest were scientists. People on the outside trying to help those inside the Pandora's box of mental health. Now I'm glad these people wish to help, but how can you help something you'll never understand? This isn't a cold or some routine ailment that is seen millions of times over the year. This is a unique issue for each person, and until we start treating it as such, we will get nowhere. But that's enough of my rantings. I should be a better host and control my temper. Let's see what time has to say about the subject. It's rather mixed, I should say. Here's the issue now. Let's see, Time Magazine, Mental Health, A New Understanding. Funny, I didn't walk away with this with a new understanding, but let's see. The first thing we get to is understanding our own minds. And this article starts off by saying, You spend your life just an inch from madness. You don't know it, that's one of the tricks of madness. You break a leg, you know it. You get the measles, you know it. But madness, the drift of rational mind into irrational, the lucid to the delusional, is not always easy to see as it's happening. At what point does joy become mania? Sadness become depression? Apprehension become anxiety? Fear become phobia? Okay. I don't know exactly... Right, here's the author's name, Mr. Kluger, but I don't know why you decided to start off with madness, but you're kind of playing through the stigmas here a little bit already. And to say that you spend your life just an inch from madness, well, that's kind of a Batman comic book quote, didn't it? I believe the Joker said something along those lines once. But you posed a question. At what point does joy become mania, sadness become depression, apprehension become anxiety, and fear become phobia? 
that point is when it starts affecting your life on a daily basis. That point is when the sadness is so bad that you don't want to get out of bed at all. You don't want to move. And eventually, if you let it go too far, you just don't want to have a life. When does apprehension become anxiety? When you can never be calm. When you have panic attacks at random. When you worry or get something on your mind that is just insignificant, small, a little detail, but it drives you nuts because you can't solve it right away. And when does fear become phobia? It becomes a phobia when it's continually plaguing you. I mean, I have agoraphobia. I don't like crowds. I don't like being outside my house. It's just... It's the way I'm wired. Now, I'm not saying there's no cure for that. For some people, there are. For all of this, can be treated. And some people have overcome it and gotten better. And I applaud those. I'm not one of them. I'm still fighting the battle. So, that's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I am opening the nightmare realm to people. You say that we value imagination but not hallucination. Do we? Because I know a lot of imaginative people. I've seen a lot of imagination get swept under the rug because it was just considered to be a daydream. Silly ideas. You know, dreamers are often looked at as if they're odd and they're swept aside for more rational thinking people. But it goes on to say that a lot of this changeability, which right there I find the problem, mental health, mental illness, anxiety, depression, OCD, things like that, phobias, it's not that we're choosing. To say this is a changeability is to say that we can choose to change and not have it. If we could, we would. Trust me, I would have changed a long time ago, but I can't. But it goes on and says it is governed by a sort of internal weather system. Now there is some truth to this. But he does say that on good days the mind is calm, temperate, and lit by a psychic sunshine. What fantasy novel are you reading? The I don't know about you, but I don't have a psychic sunshine or any sunshine or any sort of a planet in my head. I have this realm. But it's not lit by a sun, it's well, they're lamps. But it's sort of a, I guess you could say it's a poetic license he's taking with it. And I'm being a little bit picky, but when you're talking about something as serious as this, I think you should choose your words very carefully, especially when you're going to put them in print. But on good days, the mind is calm. On my good days, my mind is still not calm. And temperate, I'm not sure if my mind is ever that. It kind of does its own thing. My imagination is a little bit too wild to be controlled or keep at a tempered pace he says but on bad things on bad things excuse me bad days things are torn by rain and wind 
that's true the bad days it feels like you're in a storm it feels like the eye of the hurricane has hit you directly and you're just stuck in it you may get a few moments where it feels like you're standing in the center of the eye and it's calmer it's quiet but then you look and you see the next part of the wall coming it's up and down it's never a bad day is never on a straight line so to speak it's never easy going it's always unbalanced and pretty much like a storm but moving on from here as I'll, I've nitpicked enough on just the first part of the article it goes into some of the history of mental illness where um, certain philosophers in the past like Aristotle and Hippocrates on what caused the basic temperaments that we have. Aristotle believed it was in the heart. Hippocrates got it a little bit better and he figured out it was in the mind but they still didn't have a good enough hold just yet to know what they were dealing with but it does seem that these classic philosophers these legendary philosophers and writers had a little bit of almost a better understanding of the mind than we do now they had it a lot simpler they you know it was more straightforward for them and I like the fact that it's almost like we're we're now modern society is catching up with older society you know we're we're discovering new things but it's leading us right back around to what our ancestors discovered but it eventually gets to more current situations it gives the numbers 450 million people worldwide suffer from mental health conditions You'd think, wouldn't you, that if with 450 million people worldwide suffering from this, that it'd be taken a little bit more serious than it is. I mean, we take other illnesses more serious. Look at the world right now. Look at reality right now and tell me we don't overreact to certain things. But as I said, reality is closer here, so it can sort of sneak in sometimes. I have to watch out for it. My faithful guard dog, my little schnauzer here, usually does a good job at keeping reality out. But he sometimes lets a few things slip through. But it goes on and says that in the U.S., just under one in five adults will experience mental illness in the course of a year. Well, if, if you're counting feeling anxious or feeling depressed uh, on certain days, then yeah, your body feels that. It's the prolonged exposure to it it's the prolonged state that you get in of anxiety of being anxious or being depressed that actually makes it an illness we all have those days where we're down we're just not you know you don't feel up to your regular standards that's normal we all have anxiety 
is part of the fight or flight system. That's normal. Something scares us or you know, we see danger. Example, you walk out the door and you see a snake. You're going to experience anxiety. But it's when there is no danger. There is no trigger. There is no snake, so to speak, that you still have the anxiety, you have the anxious feelings, and then you can't figure out why. So yes, some people will experience the symptoms of mental illness, but I don't believe one in five will experience full-on mental illness in a year. I think they may have, like I said, some of the symptoms. They may get a small insight. And for those that, when that does happen, if they will pay close enough attention, if they could keep a journal of what they're feeling at that time and then come back to it when they're, you know, sort of bounce back to their regular self, then we might gain a whole more, whole lot more understanding of what's going on for other people. For those like me that are suffering with mental health and dealing with it day to day, you can look at that day and go, okay, this person is doing this every day, is fighting a battle with this every day. It will give you some sort of an outline. And that that would be worth having, I believe. It would be a start, and it would move us in the right direction. But it does say that anxiety disorders, general anxiety disorder I'm guessing it refers to, is the most common among them. That's, that is true. Anxiety disorders are common. Um, extreme ones, such as mine, I don't know the numbers for. But I do know that the number of reported cases people with anxiety disorder or generalized anxiety disorder is the most common. And sadly, the number is rising. And one of the even sadder parts is over 21% of children from 13 to 18 suffer from this. And there's even kids as young as eight have been known to suffer from this. I can back this up because I was one of those kids. I was in school having a panic attack every morning, not knowing why. And eventually my eventually I was homeschooled. And that didn't alleviate the anxiety. I still had anxiety over tests, over everything to do with school. But being dropped off with a bunch of other kids that I did not like. And being made to sit in a classroom behind a, in an uncomfortable desk and taught some of the most boring subjects I have ever come across. I'm serious, I've never, I've still yet to diagram a sentence or use algebra. But the, our school systems and the way kids are, you know, the saying is kids can be cruel and kids are a good example of picking on the different ones. Anybody that's different from the normal other kids. If you're not part of the like the cool kid group, you're one of the outcasts, you might get picked on and that causes it has an effect on you. Because as a kid your mind is still developing. 
They say your mind, I think now, is up to 22 years old. Is not fully formed until you're 22. I could be wrong on that. I think it was 21, but I think they added a year. But I know it's it takes a while to get you, know, you go through your childhood and then your teenage years, and you're dealing with the world, and your mind is still developing and trying to you know adapt. And experiences that you have as a child can cause these conditions. It's true that some of it is hereditary. It's passed down in our genes. That makes people more likely to be, I guess, to acquire a mental illness, but it's not a guarantee. And you've got people that don't have a genetic makeup for mental illness, yet they've had trauma or some kind of event in their life that caused them to have depression or anxiety or something. They could have witnessed a car crash when they were young, or they could have witnessed, you know, their childhood pet having to be put down. I mean, that's something that sticks with the kid. And it does affect, it does affect them. I'm not saying we should shelter children from the world completely, but they should be protected some. They should be able to be kids for a while. No kid should have to feel anxious or depressed at 8 or 9 or 10 years old they should be having fun exploring the world learning about this magnificent place that we live instead of being you know caught up in this mental this almost mental jail But Time Magazine goes on and talks about 70% of kids in juvenile justice systems suffer from at least one condition of mental health. Okay. I can see that. But that kind of, the kind of mental issues that you're going to have to land someone in a juvenile justice system or into a jail I don't think can be classified as the same with anxiety and depression or anything like that and it does later talk about um, the stigma of people with mental illness being violent we're not yeah there are some people who are I guess detached from reality or they're well, I say detached from reality and we're sitting here in this realm as far away as we can be but the ones who can view another human and have and see them as having no value that's a completely different mental issue than having anxiety or depression being depressed doesn't necessarily make you suicidal. Anxious doesn't necessarily make you, you know, mean you're gonna jump and start, you know, fighting at any moment, or you know, you're gonna grab the closest weapon to you and start swinging just because you're anxious. No, that's that's not how it works. We don't we don't go into that. You won't talk about madness. Like, you, like we said at the beginning of this article that's madness madness is going and hurting people for no reason it's madness and it's evil and I don't think it should be lumped in with the rest of mental health because people seeking 
help for their mental health. I'm not looking to hurt anybody. But they say that right now, the cost of so much illness is about 2.5 trillion per year. Where is that spent? Because if it's if we got 2.5 trillion dollars going into the medical fields for to help treat mental health, somebody's wasting the money somewhere else because it ain't things ain't getting better here. I mean, two 2.5 trillion dollars a year is claimed to be spent on mental health, yet we can't get a psychiatrist to accept insurance. Yeah. They might say $2.5 trillion is being spent per year, but I don't see where it's taking any effect. And even worse, they figure that this is on track to hit $6, six trillion, by 2030 six trillion dollars a year by 2030 there better be a lot of advances to justify six trillion dollars I mean I'm not saying six trillion is not a price worth paying to get people help I'm just saying we're paying it and it's we're not seeing any help. We're not seeing any advantages. Progress is grindingly slow with this. And I get it. It's a complicated subject. It's a complicated thing to treat. But we're pouring this much money into it and we're not advancing. At least not like we should we're creating new medicines all the time but new medicines I can't really say are necessarily the answer I mean we've invented medicine of all different kinds how many more do we need and there's a point where medicine becomes a problem if you like if you were like me at one point when you thought when I thought that a psychiatrist actually knew better for me I was on eight medications at once I didn't know where I was I was literally a walking zombie I don't remember much of that time period which is understandable But they claim that six trillion, they automatically jump to six trillion in the article instead of sticking with the current 2.5. But they say it is a great deal of treasure and yet we spend it willingly. Again, where are we spending it? I want to see where the progress is. I mean, if I'm blind to something here and I'm not seeing the progress in this area and it's actually out there please send me the links to it tell me I want to hear that people are getting help and this is being addressed but I don't see it and then it states that it's being spent on the treatments and cures good as they are no they're not good at best they're minimal in what they actually help in my experience anyways and from what others have told me it's very minuscule in what treatment can actually do it can get you so far but it can't it can't go all the way and cures? Really? Somebody didn't do their homework 
because I've had this for close to 31 years almost I haven't found a cure yet and trust me I've been looking and then you want to say that they're as good as they are no you want to say that this is yielding true therapies and remedies no it's not no not when the psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists around me can decide whether or not they want to accept my insurance okay our in the United States the government requires we have insurance okay then require every medical personnel to accept that insurance I'm tired of the so-called experts, the psychiatrists and psychologists. and I'm tired of them having a niche market. I'm sorry, my mental health is not something that has a dollar value. So, the places, the people that need to start accepting all insurances from every company no matter what they need to it needs to happen and it needs to be these so-called experts I mean there are well there are people that have a lot of experience in the psychiatry and psychology fields the problem is majority of them do not care all they want is money and it's sad but greed has corrupted this and there are some good ones out there there are some doctors who care and you know God bless them for doing what they do and I do not lump every doctor or every psychologist or every psychiatrist in with the bad ones but I know that as a majority we're looking at some very greedy people who are picking and choosing who they want to help but it goes goes on the next part is inside mental illness which is sort of interesting as they try to delve into this And they actually touch on the fact that they fear our inability to comprehend mental illness. That's, That's true. That's something that is just, it's nothing personal, I don't think. It's, you know, we don't, as humans, we don't like things that are very different. Sudden changes and sudden oddities that don't sit well you know they don't people with mental illness don't fit into the mold of you know society anyways so we don't other people cannot understand or comprehend what's going on they you know you you feel they fear what looks like um, voluntary behavior. They can understand that a heart attack is not a choice. They can understand that cancer or tumor can't be willed away. But depression and phobias, anxiety, obsessive compulsive rituals, you know, the common society stigma is to say buckle down and get a grip no it doesn't work like that this is real and there are words that strip humanity entirely from it and they're right they'll say a person goes ape or the person who is batty 
Imagine referring to a cancer patient as some kind of animal. Would you do that? I wouldn't. But a person with mental illness? Sure, why not? Let's refer to them as an animal. Let's refer to them as less than human. No wonder the number of mental health issues are going up. And it does lay the blame where a lot of it is deserved. And that's with our media. Historically, mental illness in books, movies, and all other media is portrayed as something to be afraid of. And, you know, in one study of primetime programming in the United States found that half of all mentally ill characters in shows are shown to be hurting others. One in four kills someone. The mentally ill are portrayed as disenfranchised, with no family connections, no occupation, no social identity. You know, even down to the camera shots that they give are meant to make it look like the character is, you know, unsteady. And, I mean, this is the furthest thing from the truth. But it does go on to actually state in here that the people that are mentally ill, so to speak, are more likely to be victims of violence rather than the perpetrators. And that's, as I've said, is very true. It's the people that are, I don't consider them mental health patients or mental ill, mentally ill. I consider them almost evil or just plain madness has taken over them. But there's there's another group that they claim is afflicted with special treatment or or is viewed negatively. And we've already sort of touched on this a little bit, but the primetime media and other sources of entertainment, I guess, depict the mental health professionals as being unethical, manipulative, and psychiatric treatment as oppressive and controlling. That's not a myth. Like I said, I was on eight medications and I was walking zombie. What more control do you want over a person? You know, it's it's sad that people are having to deal with this on top of their mental illness. They're having to deal with doctors who just do not care. And I myself am just so sick of hearing about psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists who just throw medicine at people. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish people actually cared, but you can't make them. They spend all these years going to school, you'd think they would be doing it because they actually cared, not because they were after money. But greed knows no bounds and this is really only part of the magazine and it's just a few pages in that they cover and they do talk about the power of language how to describe what we're feeling and this in this part they really do sort of get their um, ducks in a row and really talk about things and they're they're correct in that we need better words to describe what people are feeling and thankfully there are people who are studying 
old languages, dead languages, to find words that will fit the meaning of what's going on with a depressed person or a anxious person. I know in just my random readings um, when I read the book on Martin Luther the 15th century monk who went against the Catholic Church uh, he had a word for the depressive and anxious moods he would get to and it was it was a German word which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because I'll just butcher it but it it, accur- it accurately described what we felt and it's just it was amazing to me that a monk in the 15th century could get it right better than a modern day uh, health professional or a so called health professional but one thing it does talk about um, is how to and this is this is rather important it's in a little bit later in the back of the book really where it needs to be I think this needs to be a little bit more up at the front they do go over treatments and different things that are people are trying and some of them may be interesting to you try but it does go over how to help someone who is dealing with mental illness how to approach someone that is dealing with with this it's not something that you can easily confront and anybody that takes the time to actually figure out or research I should say mental health and how they can help a loved one or a friend I must say I applaud you and the world needs more people like you for those who are now interested and want to try and help the best thing you can do is just offer to listen and from there that person will know they can come to you and talk Whatever you do, don't offer solutions. Don't go, oh, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z to fix this. Because that's implying that it's a made-up thing that it can be just brushed aside and fixed easily. No, you have to remember this is still an illness. It still has to be treated. There is no snapping of your fingers and it's all gone. Being there and being available for someone just to talk about whatever you know it could be the most random subject in the world that they're stuck on and they just need to talk it out it could be the minuscule random thing that you know for you it's nothing for you that's you know that's nothing to worry about that's nothing to be upset over for them is a big deal so listen and try to be understanding and I guess most of all have an open mind and open heart and simply do what what you can for them let them tell you what they need let them dictate the pace that they move at you know don't 
don't force them, don't rush them. Everybody takes their own time. Some people are very closed off, especially if they've had negative experiences with people and mental health. Maybe they've tried to talk to someone before and they got rebuked for it or they were told the usual, you know, get over it sort of thing. So now they're very skittish about talking about this sort of this sort of thing. But the more people that like you that step up and say, Hey, I'm here to listen. Just listen. The more or the better off people are gonna be the more likely people are gonna reach out and actually look to maybe get help rather than just suffer in silence and be completely completely lost to it and really that's that's the real problem is that we've got people who are scared to go out and get the help that they need they don't want to be stigmatized or cast as a certain type of person or even dehumanized as the Time Magazine talks about as being called batty or going ape I mean it's Nobody wants to be like that or be called that. Or, and to, to think that somebody thinks that of you can be crippling. And it's so it's easy for people with mental illness to withdraw into themselves and be very hard to open up. It can be very hard for them to get them to talk. But I realized that today's visit into the realm has been a little bit more serious than I had originally intended. It's mainly due to being in the library. You're, like I said, we're closer to reality here. So things are a lot more serious. Plus we don't have the random things floating around although we do have the random characters walking by and in and out but if this is your second time visiting you can stay a little bit longer enjoy some of the books maybe you can try talking to some of the characters you're using your imagination so let it run wild and see see what they say. I do that a lot, and that's how I come up with new ideas. But next time we'll go back to the main part of the realm, or perhaps we'll go a little bit deeper. We could even visit one of the areas that is not necessarily mental health related there are a few places that are assigned a different subject like the engine garden where everything automotive is discussed or the record room where music is always a welcome thing there's plenty of music there to be found and to listen to or perhaps we'll just visit one of the uh, what I call exhibits that's the realm is currently hosting it could be whatever my imagination has cooked up and doesn't really have a use for but doesn't want to throw away yet or doesn't want to let running loose in the realm quite yet. I've created some wild 
things before and some of them you don't really want to have wandering around and being free but I know it still coming here still takes a toll using your imagination like this it's new to a lot of people it's easy for me because I created this place but for you it's a little bit harder and the way you imagine it and the way that you dream about this place in your mind's eye or your imagination's eye as I prefer to say it does take a bit of practice to get down but you made it here a second time so we look forward to the third and hopefully it will be a lighter episode a more fun and comedic episode we don't have to always be serious here and we don't have to always discuss such serious topics as this although I do feel that important things need to be need to be addressed and Time Magazine's issue I felt was overdue to being addressed but if you agree or disagree with my assessment of the issue if you've read it you know feel free to let me know what you think of it how did you take what they said how right were they and there's a lot more in that magazine than what I touched on I touched on just the basically the bare minimum there's a lot more that it goes into but that would take a long time to go over we may revisit the topic and we may open this back up it's not going anywhere trust me if something enters my library it never leaves for now we'll we'll call an end to our little visit and I'll let you return to your normal day-to-day lives or maybe to your own imagination for a while wherever you're happiest at so until next time be happy be kind and be well my friends